0: get out of my pod get out of my pod right now i'm not going anywhere get out! Get out! Get out! Get out! hello welcome to get of my pod
1: i'm una i'm nav how's it going una
0: oh uh, pretty good i'm delighted to be back recording this podcast
1: i think a lot of people are maybe will be a bit shocked that we're back because i promised without really speaking to you i promised that we would be <laughs> back last weekend um and just didn't have the time unfortunately
0: yeah i feel like um i feel like we should apologize to our listeners sorry for disappearing for uh, an entire month it's been a mixture of um just that like we've had to do social things suddenly again for the first time in a year and uh it feels like neither me nor nav can like handle can't do having it. stuff to do and also recording the podcast
1: i can't cope it's too much i do one thing on a saturday and that's pretty much my whole weekend i'm like no sorry i can't do that i can't do that i can't do that i mean yeah that's
0: it i'll go to the pub once and i'm like okay well i need a a full day to myself
1: now. (laughs) right right it's too much (laughs) it's too much but you're right it's partly that and then it's partly like if anybody listened to our last episode before our uh unintended or unplanned hiatus um it was kush's death and I think if you wanted to get a vibe of where we were with EastEnders, that's the podcast to listen to. Um, and
0: I've got to be honest, it's been hard to watch.
1: Right, right. It, it's like, can I, I mean, I was going to say, can I make a confession? You already know this, but it's a confession for the listeners. So we're doing this podcast and I've, and I've watched the last week of EastEnders. I haven't watched the previous three weeks and I made a decision to not bother to catch up because I thought it might just put me off.
0: I, yeah, I think it's a sensible decision because I have watched it all. I caught up on everything. And to be honest, the, until this week, it was a complete waste of my time.
1: I think I, by luck, obviously came back into it at the right time because I kind of enjoyed this week. Like, There's obviously like a couple of moments here and there where I'm getting a little bit of echoes of, you know, a little bit of reminders of why I, I stopped watching for a few weeks. Um, but it was a decent week. It was a decent week.
0: It was good. It was good. Yeah, I thought there were some good storylines. And they let those storylines, like, play out and breathe a little bit, uh, which we've really been missing, I think, for the last few weeks.
1: Do you know one thing when I was watching this week in terms of and, – and it kind of picks up on what you're saying about kind of letting storylines breathe a little bit. I I think, you know, we've praised EastEnders a lot on how well they've done to navigate the COVID restrictions. I'm starting to wonder whether it's actually been a hindrance to the quality of the storylines. So, as an experiment, I started watching a few episodes of Coronation Street and mm. they in terms of like making things look busy, in terms of like doing fancy scenes where people are like, you know, four people are sitting next to each other, they're not really doing any of that. Like the pub in that show is like empty. Um they're still saying like because of COVID. Like they mm. haven't got busy places, but I feel like the quality. And I know I'm probably going to get shit for this for complimenting another soap on our EastEnders podcast. But I was watching that and I was thinking, I wonder if actually EastEnders would have been better going down that road of like taking advantage of the pandemic just to do like more intimate scenes of like just one or two mm. two people like having a chat and just writing really good quality scripts
0: yeah i started to think that this week as well because we were saying like we've been saying all the way through this that like we're sort of glad that they're just pretending the pandemic isn't there on eastenders because i don't really want to hear more about it when i'm watching tv because i'm already living it but um yeah it does now feel just like very weird i mean it has felt weird all along but like i think now because it's been going on for like months and months and months of where like they're still pretending that the pandemic doesn't exist or like they mention it. Like there's this weird thing where like Sonia's still on a COVID ward, like nursing all the COVID parents, right. patients, but like it does not, there's no COVID in society somehow. And, um, but like at the same time, everyone's clearly like having to distance and like people aren't hugging when they would definitely be hugging. And there's like this very right. like stilted, awkward way of interacting with people.
1: Yeah. But then at the same time, scenes like in the pub, the pub is full. Like, yeah. and you've got, and actually, another thing you start to notice is, uh, you know, again, like props to EastEnders for like the attempts they've made to like do these scenes where like five people are in a conversation together and it turns out they've filmed their like scene separately or they're speaking to a tennis ball or what have you. But the problem is, is that after like the initial like, you know, impressiveness of like doing that, you then look at like the quality of the scene. And there's moments where you can kind of tell they're not reacting to, like, a person Mm. near them. Yeah. Um, And I'd I'd rather be like, you know what? You probably could have done that scene with two people um, in a well-ventilated room um, or outside, and it would have been a lot better.
0: And it would reflect our lives better as well. And I think this is, like, the fact that the BBC made that call is, like, indicative of, like, this sort of mass delusion that the UK was in last year where, like, everyone was sort of, just thinking covid would be over by autumn and so that's obviously like why that decision was made in the first place and what it's left us with is like actually a tv program that is like veering more and more away from our day-to-day experience of life so like it is normal for us now for many of us now to have a smaller social circle and to be interacting with fewer people and to have like a to be in a kind of like smaller bubble and not seeing loads of people other than like if you're at work and it's yeah it's a shame that they didn't just kind of make a decision to reflect that or like maybe they weren't able to predict that's where we would be
1: yeah and and you know the the fair play to like eastenders and i because i imagine a part of the reason for going down that road was you know wanting to give people a bit of escapism yeah like a place they can go where like covid doesn't exist um but as you say like i think you know. In making that decision, like just the departure from like you know real life, and obviously, that's you know a lot of the reason why we come to soaps is yes, the drama and the fantastical nature of it, but it's also one of the few places on TV where you get a reflection of like, yeah, you know, particularly working class lives. Um, and I'm you, you know, on an optimistic note, the better to like maybe end this conversation okay. here is yeah. that if like if we're both right that some of the, the reason for the dip in quality is due to like the COVID compliance filming, um, then we should hopefully see that improve, right?
0: Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I feel like what's going on is they they are in many ways, like partially due to the COVID restrictions and partially due to what I think is poor writing. They're not being supportive to the less, strong actors in their cast. Like I feel like the East End has always been a place to like bring in new actors and you watch them grow and you watch them improve. And like in these conditions where they're having to do like scenes where they're on their own and they're having to work right. with like very chaotic, bizarre writing material. It's like really sort of, it's, it's not helping them grow. And it's like, it's kind of highlighting where like where there are sort of weaknesses in people's acting.
1: Yeah. And ultimately from their career perspective, this isn't the showcase they you know, the show reel they want to be putting together mm. of uh slightly dodgy scenes in, uh, you know, talking to people who aren't actually there. So, um, yeah. Let's see, yeah. Okay.
0: <laughs> Let's see
1: where it goes. Uh, can you, have we got any news actually before we get onto our predictions?
0: Um, I've not got any news exactly, but, um, last time we did this podcast was one month ago, I think, uh, I was very optimistic that Tamar might be coming back. Very optimistic to the point that I even like slightly persuaded you that it might be happening.
1: <laughs> yeah, you did. You okay. did. Have you heard something have you heard something different since then, Una? Uh
0: well <laughs> firstly we've obviously heard that Nancy and Tamar are getting divorced. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: so that's a shame. Um, also, well, the reason I'm so excited because Himesh Patel like tweeted something about him and Maddie Hill getting the old band together, and I was like, What could he possibly mean other than EastEnders? Turns out they've made a short film together, which I will not be watching out of protest, um, (laughs) against his very mean tweet.
1: I think I'll watch it. I think, uh, you know, if we're not going to see them together. On EastEnders, it'd be kind of cute to uh, to see them like in the short film, and you get the sense as well that they're quite good mates, right? And uh, I imagine that makes for good acting scenes, even if they're not playing Tamar and uh, and Nancy. Will
0: they be married in the short film?
1: Oh, maybe the 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 still that I saw of it does look like a kind of you know a couple at a table at least, right?
0: Okay, all right then. Yeah, maybe I will watch it. <laughs> But yeah, Tamwa, definitely not coming back. I was so wrong about that. And I'm still quite Too tired. famous.
1: Just too, he's a big Hollywood guy now.
0: He is a big Hollywood guy. I just thought he might want to like come back to his roots for a little bit. You know, maybe he's not working loads because of COVID, but maybe he is.
1: I think I did ultimately get to a place of like, oh, maybe he's filmed a few scenes, but no, that's that's not happening.
0: It was wishful thinking
1: it on was. my part. It was. We um we don't have any uh, baby news, do we?
0: No, no, no babies or pregnancies. Uh, as far as we could find out, detweet us if like if we've missed anything. At get out of my pod. Um, no Michael Greco news as far as I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, talking of tweeting us, we've at least had some tweets, right?
0: Yeah, well, they're tweets from April, but I did want to. I did want to uh talk about them. Tweets from Kylie, who I really think of as like our sort of resident like commenter and fact checker. Like she's Oh really, yeah, she's brilliant. She, actually probably much more knowledgeable about Eastenders than we are.
1: <laughs> she's awesome. She's awesome.
0: Yeah. So um this is because on the last podcast we were talking about this kind of student reigning in the surrog- surrogacy story and they really want a baby. And Kylie tweeted Saying the surrogacy story makes no sense. Surrogates can't get paid in the UK. It's only reasonable expenses, mm-hmm. and anyone under twenty-one without their own offspring is strongly discouraged. So, no idea who would do that procedure with a child that's eighteen-year-old. Um, I think that was on when it was Tiff who was going to be the surrogate, or was it Had Bernie just decided? I don't remember. But the the points hold either way.
1: Yeah, and kind of odd then that EastEnders weren't able to do that research because. Uh, Uh, obviously we didn't know about it. So it's not something that I think is like common knowledge, but you know, we've got a great listener who knows about it. Um, So I'm sure with some effort, they could have also found out.
0: I think there are just some storylines. They don't do the research because they don't want it to get in the way of the storyline. So I think the Denise adopting Raymond's, storyline was similar but like (laughs) absolutely no way that would have happened that way I did see some people who, who are a lot more knowledgeable about the adoption system that were just like this is ridiculous and it's also like quite damaging to the sort of understanding of how the adoption system works and attitudes towards like adoptive parents and stuff um so yeah thanks Kylie for that point I think the other thing she said as well was that Stuart and Rainey are parents to to Abby and it's annoying that this never seems to count for them so why are they so attached to their genetic material like Stuart's already a father to mm. a toddler really or a father figure at least and I think that's something that's bothered me all the way through that like when yeah. Max and Rainey first came back on the square like Abby, baby Abby was so important to Rainey and it was very like emotional to her that she was in this precarious position of like potentially being cut out of Abby's life right. yet the fact that they've now become full time parents to little abby is just like absent from
1: the storyline i think it's absent from the storyline and i agree with like kylie and, and yourself in terms of it bothering me but it bothers me from a societal perspective more than a eastenders perspective because i feel like it's fairly common but like uh the idea of having your own baby that you created like holds yeah. some like like privilege, like position over other forms of like being a parent um yeah and uh i don't agree with that like i totally agree with like and and i think you know the way they've dealt with the abby thing i think is particularly bad in eastenders because she just doesn't figure at all but even if she did figure like i think in terms of being realistic i think eastenders have done it actually fine in terms of being realistic about you know Saying that, yeah, a lot of couples do think there is something you know particularly special about having a child together. Look, I, I you know, I'm not a parent, I don't have any particular interest in being a parent, so I don't want to scold anybody who like feels like that because I don't know exactly where that comes from. Um, because I feel like if I wanted to be a parent, it would be a case of like exploring like the many different you know avenues to do that without being particularly wedded to one over another. Um, so you know that's where I am but at the same time I don't want to scold Mm. someone for like being I don't know I mean I don't know where you are or when it comes to stuff like that but I feel like
0: I get the thing I mean I like I'm not a parent I'm probably not looking at having children but like I I can understand the thing of like wanting a biological child and like wanting to share that process with a partner Mm. but like the way they've done it in EastEnders it, is so jarring. It literally is like Abby doesn't exist. Like right. the thing that really sticks right. in my mind. This is a line from absolutely ages ago, like a few months ago or something. When uh I think they first found out they wouldn't be able to have biological children together, and Stuart was like, "You know, we're a family, and if that means being a family of two, then that's okay." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. you're not a family of two, though, are you? You're right. of kids. Like, come right. on. Like, even if you're just part time caring for them, yeah, I think it's. It's really weird. It's really weird writing to me. Like it wouldn't have taken much. I understand that Abby might not be in, on screen. That's obviously hard with the COVID restrictions at the moment. But like to write it with no acknowledgement. Like who is this kid that lives with them? To them, right? Like is she, what? What is the relationship there? It's just really strange.
1: I think it's and and particularly strange in the context that Abby's really young. So like if you are desperate to do all of the different stages of parenthood, you've got Quite a young child there to like do <laughs> right. the first day at school and all the rest of it, and also her dad, or not a dad, a granddad right Max is a granddad mm-hmm. like um is off the scene in a fairly substantial semi permanent way so yeah. like you've got you've got in, in that context it's not only that like you've got a chancellor parenthood there. But you've you've got to step up now. Like, this child right, is your responsibility but they haven't now. even had
0: a conversation about they've got Abby full-time. Like, right. that's a massive shift. Like, even if, even if, like, they were, even if Abby, like, was Rainey's biological daughter and she had just moved from having shared custody to full custody, like, that's a big shift, especially with right, a toddler. Yeah. Like, and, right. yeah, just not been included in the storyline at all. Very and Stuart
1: weird. has basically de facto got full-time custody now as well right
0: exactly yeah he is gonna have to be a father to abby
1: well thank you again for those points kylie as always you've provoked some great discussion and actually just one other thing as well so when i tweeted about uh, um you know why we were on a break and you know when we were hoping to come back um she also posted a really nice reply about wanting you know, us to share our disillusionment with uh, with the listeners as well. And obviously, you know, we want to be careful to not, you know, I don't think there's a lot of, it's not particularly enjoyable for us, let alone anybody else to do a, sh- a podcast about a show we're not enjoying. But actually, you know what? It's nice to know that, like, even when we're not enjoying it, like, you know, it's creating a shared space for other people to, like, also vent as well. So that's, that's nice.
0: Yeah. Hopefully we can all um, laugh about it together we actually got an email from another listener and she was basically saying like yeah we're probably all watching the show just sort of laughing at how ridiculous it is at the moment but at least we can enjoy that together in the form of a podcast at the end of the week so we're we'll here try, for you guys we'll, we'll try and do well well i don't know if we can say that after like literally just disappearing <laughs> for a month, but we're gonna attempt to be here for you <laughs> we're
1: gonna <laughs> attempt to be here this feels like a kind of what a like a, yeah, a like boys like non-committal like response. Yeah. To, uh,
0: <laughs> I will endeavour <laughs>
1: to be here for you. <laughs> oh, that's. Bad. So I didn't that's want bad. to overpromise.
0: Okay, so predictions.
1: Okay, shoot. Do you wanna? Do you wanna shoot with your prediction? What was yours?
0: Uh, so my prediction. I did say at the time this is a long-term prediction, so I feel like it could still come true. It hasn't at all come true in the last month. Um, my prediction was that Sonia is going to be the one that's going to like figure out that Ruby's a terrible person. Going to like uncover all the lies.
1: Yeah, you did say that, and uh, I mean it, it hasn't happened, right? I didn't watch a lot of episodes of Eastenders, but it hasn't happened, right? It's, but it's not, not, happened not happened even
0: slightly. Yeah, Sonia is is like obviously occupied with her own storyline. I kind of thought when Sonia went to Dubai with Martin, that would be like quite a good. I don't know, like, she could come back from that sort of being suspicious of Ruby, like, having had lots of conversations with Martin about things that have gone on. But there's not been any hint of that either. And obviously, like, Sonia now is engaged with the, this whole situation with, like, finding her dad again.
1: I think what EastEnders needs to do over the next few months is, like, slightly withdraw some storylines and leave space for characters to do what you think they might do in certain situations. So you are saying, like, yeah. about... You know, Sonia, because of her connection to Martin, them having a kid together, et cetera, et cetera. Because she's a
0: massive
1: busybody. Like, right. All of these reasons, like, would make you think, okay, this is how she'd act in this situation. But because they've just committed to, like, putting one story on top of another on top of another, they just don't have space to do any of these scenes. Um, and again, mm-hmm. and probably the COVID yeah. filming and the bubbles, all, that, all, all of that makes it difficult. Um, but then if it's difficult, then at least leave yourself some space to be flexible, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what's going on. But so really the way that stories twist and turn, this could happen at any point or it might never happen. <laughs> I'm none the wiser at this point. Uh do you remember your prediction?
1: Well, I do, and uh you've reliably informed me that it's definitely not happened, but that was um that we were gonna get hints, heavy hints about uh Janine's return. Um and uh it you you tell me there was no hints.
0: There were no hints. No one's mentioned Janine in in years as far as I can <laughs> as far as I can remember. Yeah. Um is this still happening? I can't remember what the like uh did you read like a news article about it or something? Like there's a reason that you think Janine is coming back.
1: Yeah, it's ninety nine percent that is happening. Um, oh my god! I was listening to the Walford Weekly like podcast around Cush Week because thought better mm-hmm. check in to see if other people are as, as enraged. Um, and thankfully, they were as enraged. But also, they made the point that um, what EastEnders probably did, and I believe this. Like I don't think this is like conspiratorial. Um, that they leaked. They saw the response to Cush's death and thought, "Oh shit, what we're going to do." And they leaked the uh, the Janine news. Um,
0: wow! Yeah. yeah, I I yeah. believe that.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And right. a good move, which
0: it gave us one move. positive thing to talk about on the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. And you know what? Regardless of where I am with EastEnders, uh, I'm still very. I'm not even like, oh god, are they going to ruin Janine and stuff? Because look, even if she ends up in some bad storylines and what have you, like just the, the force of her character. Like is yeah. so powerful that it will just be brilliant regardless.
0: And she will play it well. That's a pattern we've been seeing all through this. It's like, to be honest, current, in 2021, EastEnders have been held together by the stronger actors of the cast who can <laughs> right. somehow make these ridiculous storylines engaging to watch.
1: Yeah, so bring on another brilliant actor into the fold. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for it.
0: Okay, I can't wait. I can't wait. When do you think it's going to be? Are there any like, are there any hints of that?
1: I don't know. A part of me feels like I want it to be delayed, and to, and maybe already now, like the filming has changed, like in terms of you know them being able to be a bit closer together, and yeah. a lot of the cast, I imagine, is vaccinated now. Um, obviously, by the way, still everybody be careful. This is Indian variant is knocking about, so still be careful. But. Um, the uh, I hope she's like able to come back like onto the show where, yeah, it's not like, oh, she's just seen a long-lost friend and she's not going to touch them at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It is just, right. uh, it's really uncomfortable how that keeps happening.
1: Anyway. Very yeah, annoying. Anyway. Right, okay. You know what? Do you know where I want to start? I'll tell you why I want to start here, just because I feel like I want to get it out of the way um and it also kind of segues from what we were saying about quality of acting and i feel so bad i feel so, i genuinely feel bad about saying this and i've slightly kept this to myself for quite a long time now um but can we discuss the bailey storyline
0: yeah we're gonna have to talk about the bailey storyline it's been uh, the biggest one um and it's been really really difficult to watch
1: <laughs> <laughs> now i've okay you know what maybe a a good place to start is that okay i basically missed the majority of it um so can you give me like a very quick rundown oh of what's of what's happened
0: god <laughs> so <laughs> i'm so upset about the storyline bailey's been obviously like we've seen the Taylors being moving moving further and further into financial crisis karen lost her job they got to a point where they were completely broke and they're having lots of like stressful conversations about not having any money at all Bailey's picking up on this because mainly because I kept having really loud conversations while she was just in the hallway. Um, And there was the issue of Bailey like winning the science competition and the prize was going to science camp and it was going to cost 200 pounds. And Bailey knew the family couldn't afford this. And then there was this process where she like had a few conversations with people. So she kind of, she dropped some hints to Isaac that things were, no, didn't mean drop hints actually. She said things have been crazy at home or like things have been difficult at home or something like that. And Isaac, um, incredibly irresponsibly I think as a primary school teacher <laughs> did not pry into the details of this just sort of went you're a tough kid what's great about you Bailey is that you're independent and you can do things on your own oh, you just I was like this is has he not no, had any like basic incredible. safeguarding training at all wow. this is terrible Wow. and then there was sort of some similar conversations where like she kept kind of raising her concerns with adults around her and they would just be like you're so clever you're so tough you'll be fine um just just let the adults worry about this thing and you just you know live your life independently basically kept going on about kind of independence and intelligence eventually she decided the best thing she could do for the family was to leave so they wouldn't have to financially support her um so despite a key part of her character a key like part of her identity as character is that she's very intelligent for her age decided that she would be able to just go and survive on the streets without nothing without anything um and went missing for like, I don't know, a week or something. And uh just slept on the streets in London and people just walked past a child on the streets in London and didn't report it, which like I haven't lived in London for a year, so maybe that's happening now. And like obviously the homelessness problem in London is incredibly bad. There are lots of people on the streets, but like generally it's not, as far as I'm aware, like that possible for a child a child that young to be on the streets without getting picked up by authorities.
1: I think because of her age. I mean, do you know what? Interesting. so like, I obviously I hadn't watched EastEnders, so I didn't have all of that context. I, I, you know, based on previous experiences with whatever, like, I, I can believe, like, that in her logic, even with being smart, she decided to run away. I think where the difficulty comes is, um, uh, a like she's visibly a child. Like, it's yeah. not. There's no like ambiguity. Like, um with her um and and look can i just be completely honest like the the big aspect the big issue i've got with this storyline is that i don't think she's had enough acting experience no. to be front and center she wasn't like, able she wasn't
0: ex- able to carry the storyline yeah. at all like this some of the scenes were really like really uncomfortable to watch because the acting was like really quite quite poor And especially, like, she's in situations where she's having to act these scenes on her own, and she's just, like, not able to do that yet.
1: Yeah, it goes back to what you're saying, right? Like, in a lot of respects, it's unfair, like, for them to to do that. Yeah. And I'm absolutely certain, if she decides to stay with acting, that she will get better and better and better. And they'll probably, she'll probably look back at this and think, you know what, I probably could have had a bit more support, or I probably could have been part of more of an ensemble situation than, yeah, being left Mm -hmm. out and, you know, by myself to do these scenes
0: they ha- they've ha- like really given her a big spotlight in the last couple of months really and like that's fine but yeah i don't think her acting is like quite there and they could have made storylines about her but like just had more of the adults yeah kind of carrying the storylines like make it more about like the relationships in the family and we've seen a bit of that like there there has been some kind of like good scenes with the rest of the tailors around the storyline of Bailey going missing but like yeah it's just it's really hard to stay to sort of like feel like you believe in a storyline when lines are being said as if like they're being read off a bit of paper
1: yeah it's (laughs) it's just it's unfortunate and as I say I feel guilty for even like or bad for even like raising this because you know this is a young person like pursuing a career who can act like a million times better than i could um and as i say, i imagine if they if they stick with this like they're going to be brilliant and also you know regardless of where he stands at the moment like it's a brilliant place i imagine to learn um like the kind of craft and all the rest of it um but um
0: i mean i think a lot of this is an issue with writing mm, i just i just think what what's been really good about EastEnders in the past is that they do bring in in these like new and and like much younger actors and they normally write to their level like they'll write storylines in a way that that person can can handle at the time and that like kind of lets them use the best of their strengths um and doesn't kind of like highlight the areas where they might be a bit a bit weaker in their skills and like I thought the same when when Amy was brought into the storyline um with Bailey so we had Amy kind of finding her first and saying no you shouldn't go home like everyone's really angry with you hide out in the allotments for a bit like the way this Amy I think is like a pretty good actor she's been on the show for a long time she's like a bit more experienced she plays she she can give a really strong performance but they wrote this really just like weird and awkward script and the way they were directing it like felt really uncomfortable I it mean made it, it made it feel like she wasn't doing a great job as an actor and like it's just I feel like quite a lot of it is just, like, not writing for the actors that they have. Like, again, it's, like, that thing that Wolfwood Weekly was saying, it's, like, it kind of feels like they just stick the storylines in a hat and just pick them out and, like, give them to anyone. They don't have the actors in mind, they don't have the characters in mind, they don't have the long-term storylines in in mind.
1: I mean, I think what you said about the writers as well, like, I've I've got a theory, which is not remotely corroborated by any research, um, but, uh, you know, I think the kind of uh, roots into acting as well as writing and all of these different things are being increasingly closed off to like working class people. And so I think what EastEnders have probably ended up with is old actors, old writers who did come through those routes, but are losing touch Mm. um, in terms of like what's relevant and not relevant. And then maybe a new core cohort of writers who I feel like, I'll be honest with you, right in a kind of like, you know, with a social media audience in mind, as opposed to based on like experiences, based yeah. on like their communities, like, um, yeah, based on like, and look, I don't want to, I don't want to valorize lived experience, but like, it, in a soap, it's probably kind of a little bit important to like have a little bit of that to draw upon, um, to write something interesting. Definitely.
0: I think that's so. That's so true. And like, this is a little bit off topic of EastEnders, but like, clearly is impacting it as you say. But like, we have seen in the last sort of like generation or two, like that the barriers to working class or even like lower middle class people right. getting into the arts are just so huge that it's not possible anymore. So if you look at like famous actors, right. there's this person on TikTok who I love, who just goes through. She just lists famous actors and tells you how much their school fees were, and it's like. We're now in a position where we're seeing like vast majority of like actors, even famous musicians, who either went to private school or they've got famous parents. Right. And like the roots for people from just like normal average backgrounds to, to go through into acting, writing, music it, I just it like, seem to be completely closed off now, and it, has, it does have an impact on the quality of things that, that come through.
1: Do you know, I wonder if in terms of like responding to that, what EastEnders should do, because on the one hand, you can say like, well, then it's not their fault, right? Like if they're having to draw from a pool that is like substantially different from when they started EastEnders, it's not really their fault. But then a part of you feels like, well, you're part of like, you know, the you're, you're mm. a big part, you're a heavily resourced part of like, you know, this system. So, and look, probably somebody's going to tweet me and saying like EastEnders probably do do certain things, but um, why don't they start some kind of academy? Like, um, they need... Like, yeah, they should create right, the roots. Right. They Definitely. need the writers who can write authentically and well. Uh, and they need the actors, like, who can do that kind of stuff. And look, obviously, there are people there who do kind of represent that. I think of, like, you know, uh, Keegan and Tiffany and Bernie and, like... see. Mm. So I'm not saying that, like, those uh, roots or those actors aren't there. But I think it's, as you say, like, I think it's in the writing now. They need to put a lot of effort in
0: yeah definitely and it's not like working class writers don't exist it's just like there there's not um like people in the arts industry aren't willing to pay them properly and they aren't willing to like build in the the steps for them to get into those careers and like the bbc should be well placed to do that
1: do it do it bbc we're not holding our breaths but uh let's see let's see if they do it should we let's move on to yeah. a storyline that we enjoyed more
0: um should we talk about the Carters?
1: Absolutely loving the carters right now. Um yes. I'll tell you where I got to with the carters so you can tell me what I'm missing. Okay. Um but obviously I've got the scenes of the Katie trial. Mm-hmm. Um I've kind of basically picked up what's been going on with Nancy, uh, yep. filling in a couple of blanks and stuff with the sterilization and the divorce uh and the epilepsy like C B D stuff. Um yep. and you told me as well, I think uh before the podcast that um Mick now knows that Linda is having uh, Max's baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we saw kind of uh, Linda find this out on her own um, after a doctor's appointment and then uh telling Mick I mean I can't remember how how long it took her to tell him but it wasn't like a horrible it wasn't one of those situations where it's like oh god Linda's gonna lie about the baby and he's gonna find out it was just like she just kind of told him and it was difficult and then they've just decided to get through it and they haven't really like unraveled it to the point that you you would you would expect them to because so much else has been going on um, which makes sense. Like, Lin- like Linda kind of told him, and they both just went, well, "Okay, well, let's just put this on hold until the trial's over." Basically,
1: yeah. And you know what? I've got. I- I'm so glad that that's what they've done with that because a partly because there's just not space for like you know a drama mm-hmm. that then is not going to be explored very well that is not going to have enough time, etc. But also. You know what? Particularly as people get a bit older and what have you, like you, you start to learn that like shit happens. People have got baggage. Like if you're a family unit, that means that you have to like you know overcome like these things that are kind of thrown at you. And uh, particularly with Mick, and obviously we got a sense of that at the end of uh, Friday, which actually let's discuss like the use of Julia's theme as well in a in a, in a, oh. a bit. But um, um, but yeah, obviously what that scene was like portraying is that after like, all of this kind of, you know, drama that's been happening, like for, for Mick, like it's the family unit that is like most important to preserve. So I'm glad that they've shown that through like him being understanding, him being understanding of, um, um, got I've forgotten her name, his daughter, not Nancy.
0: Frankie.
1: Frankie. Yeah. Frankie, like obviously like being conflicted when it comes to uh, her mom him being yeah. really understanding of Nancy. Like, I'm glad <laughs> we've got this Mick back
0: yeah definitely like that was always what the carters are like they go through difficult things but they hold together as a family because they've got healthy relationships with each other and it's just really nice to have like one family like that on the square
1: absolutely lovely and like yeah i think you know we i'm not saying you need that on screen for it to be like a role model because you know people can live their lives how they want i don't really care but um families like that do exist and it's nice to see. It
0: is nice to see. I thought the KE storyline was handled really well like as much as um I don't really believe in the criminal justice system as like the <laughs> the like way that sexual abuse is solved. It was like it was satisfying to see the guilty plea and to have that kind of resolved and feel like Nick got some got some sort of consolation from it.
1: Yeah, and actually, I saw an interview with the person who plays uh, Katie. Mm. I've just got a name up here, Simone Labib. um, And uh, she did quite a nice interview where, A, she kind of acknowledged what you said there about, you know, yes, it's probably, like, not realistic in terms of how many of these kinds of cases result in conviction. Mm. And actually, another thing she pointed out, which hadn't occurred to me, but actually I am grateful for it, is that, she was saying she's really glad they didn't go down the route of like graphic portrayals or description of the abuse. Um, And, you know, they didn't, you know, put her in this like position of being like, uh, you know, a a comic villain, like really predatory and all the rest of it and stuff like, um, you know, we got the storyline, we got the power of the storyline without going down that route. And it hadn't occurred to me that they hadn't done that if that was a decision they made then i think yeah you know props to eastenders
0: yeah i thought i thought it was well done and it was lovely to get the julius theme at the end
1: yeah do you know what i i went the, with the julius theme i was like is this allowed like are they is this is this an appropriate use of the julius theme but actually once like about five seconds had passed i was like you know, bar the slightly weird, you know, the COVID thing that I need to get over of, like, you know, obviously it wasn't their heads they he had in his like <laughs> arms. Um, it's probably two like dummies, but uh, fine. I appreciate I got over the that. attempt. Yeah, I appreciate the attempt. And then the scene of them like walking off together as a family. I was just like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm here for it. I'm into it. Yeah, I thought
0: it was, it was lovely. Um, should we talk about? Nancy, a little bit, because we've obviously kind of, Nancy's come back. She's got quite a lot of conflict with Linda at the moment, which I feel like is very believable, makes sense. Um, And she's now moved in with Sharon.
1: Yeah, which, again, you'll have to tell me exactly how that happened, because the last time I saw it, she was ripping into Sharon for supposedly having a wig or something.
0: Yeah, I think, so basically, Nancy uh, is a bit broke. And this is pre, I think, her telling... Uh Mick and Linda that her and Tamar were getting a divorce. So obviously she like intends to stay on the square permanently. Um so had decided that she needs to get a job and um she went to Sharon to ask for a job because I think she used to work in the gym in New Zealand. So she went to Sharon, she was like, Look, I can manage this gym, let me do it. And obviously Sharon was like, no, thanks, but Zach fancies Nancy and has like intervened to kind of bring Sharon round. And then Nancy started working at the gym and then she had a big row with Linda about because Linda's obviously like just completely kicking off about Nancy getting sterilized and went to sleep at the gym. And Sharon was like, you can't live here. Come and stay at my house.
1: Well, which is something that I believe Sharon would do, like whatever conflict and drama they've got going on, you know, Sharon wouldn't see someone out like that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like some of it is that obviously like Sharon's a good person and she cares for Nancy. Like she is the daughter of like one of her ex best friends. Part of it seems to be like Sharon also building bridges, like sort of slowly trying to get back in Linda's good books and trying to like bring that friendship back.
1: Which, yeah, I think is again believable. It does remind me of like the whole ridiculousness of like the who killed Ian Storyline or who (laughs) attacked Ian Storyline. But um uh yeah, people do get over weird shit, so hopefully yeah their friendship is revived as a result of this.
0: What do you think about uh Nancy and Zach?
1: Well, see, so this is interesting because obviously Zach like, you know, he's not being particularly specific in in, in who he's lusting after um because there's obviously Ruby, mm. I think a little bit with Frankie as well, right? Um he's he's got some flirting going on. Mm. Um and I think, you know, in terms of who I'd like to see him with, um, a part of me would like him just to be a bit of a a bit of a cad, a bit of a, you know, just going around. Um, in a, you know, in a consensual, non-problematic way, like just doing his thing. Um, yeah. But um, I, I would rather see him with Frankie than I would with Nancy.
0: Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that'll be, mo- like, maybe there will be some conflict there. Well,
1: I think there's... A- sort of like going after both of them. but is it okay so again i may have missed this is there any interest in that from any of the people that i've mentioned obviously the ruby stuff whatever but like from nancy or if any there's any interest from frankie or anyone else
0: i think the i feel like it's hinting more at nancy like we're we are going down this route of her sort of like taking the piss and brushing off his flirting but like secretly she kind of likes him which is problematic but i'm just gonna let that slide. Um just because so i just, like, can't be bothered to have any more issues with these standards at yeah, the moment <laughs> so she's kind of coming like she's kind of like coming back with these like sassy clapbacks to him and there's like there seems like there's a little bit of chemistry there
1: okay you know i need to see it on screen because my natural reaction is um you know nancy was with Tamwar. nancy you know as much as she's got that fun side she's got this kind of serious slightly earnest side about her well, particularly when we yeah. first saw Frankie, and look, she's going through a situation right now, but particularly when we first saw Frankie, she was fun as fuck, and she was sassy as fuck. And A, I would love for that side of her to come back, because um, it was loads of fun. Yeah. But then if that side of her does come back, I just see that person as a more natural fit. But like, I'm just imagining Zach and Frankie together, and it just seems like a shit ton of fun to me.
0: Yeah, I do agree that they are a better match. I think the the route they might go down is actually is revealing some more kind of vulnerable sides of Zach and like hearing like finding out a little bit more about him as a character and then and then him him feeling like more suitable for Nancy because of that or maybe like her seeing that side of him and being more drawn to him.
1: Yeah, fair dues. Fair dues. Like I'm I'm not against it. I'm not totally against it, but um what I hope they don't do though is like slightly chip away of what we know of Nancy. Um, to make that kind yeah. of work. Um, because uh, what other relationships did she have apart from Tamar? Uh
0: I don't think she... Uh, she obviously was, like, married when she first came on the screen on the show. Um, was she? She was getting married and... Uh, oh, she wasn't married. She was getting married and Mick and Linda, like, huh? kidnapped huh? her from the wedding because they really didn't like the guy. It was some, like, lad that they just weren't into.
1: Well, here's another lad for them to be cautious of.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe it will be a little bit of a repeat of that storyline. And like, I, it would play in quite nicely to the kind of like Linda being a little bit overbearing and controlling. She would like not want Nancy to be with this guy, particularly after Tamwa. Like right. they love Tamwar so much.
1: And Zach is such a rebound guy, like in terms of. Uh, yeah. Like. <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> I like him. I like him though. Like I think he's a brilliant actor. He's very entertaining to watch.
1: No, I'm, I I love him. I think he's brilliant. Like, I haven't seen obviously loads of him mm. because I didn't watch like a few episodes. But um, yeah, particularly this last week, like I just, yeah, I'm just so glad they've brought someone in to like play that kind of character. And it's not, you know, he hasn't got really gross, like Peter vibes. Um, exactly
0: you know. yeah <laughs> and also that like Sharon now has this connection like her storyline is revolving around her like having this, this relationship with her brother it's like really nice to not be yeah going down the route of like another disastrous love interest although we do need to talk about Sharon and Kira in
1: fact, let's talk about that now because I do know about this but I haven't seen it <laughs> and I was pissed off um, should I be pissed off in terms of what you saw
0: uh Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think it's come out of the blue. I've not, I don't, there's no basis for this relationship. It just suddenly one day was like, yeah, Kira, it's like really trying to get with Sharon. And I don't really know why. Like, obviously she's amazing and stunning, but like they don't have a connection that makes sense to me.
1: Yeah. And also just picking up what you just said there as well is that, you know, we were both like, in fact, we both said like, we would love it if she had another business. She got the other business. Great. Well done EastEnders. You were like, yes, you know, we're diversifying away from Sharon being obsessed with Phil and all that kind of shit. Um, And then we were like, you know, maybe like, you know, bring in some family or something like that. And they've done that. And I think they've done that really well. Um, The whole like Kira thing, like, I don't know. I did. I think we both said, or at least I said at the time, like, Oh, maybe she could date someone new. And I guess, Kira it does count as kind of new in terms of like not having links to like you know other families on the square and stuff. Um, but I just just leave it alone. Like I just don't, don't think it's necessary. I think she's in a good place right now with the business, with her like giving wisdom to people, yeah. like with her brother turning up on the scene. Like let that like you know run for a bit.
0: And there is in the back of my mind this idea that like Kira is want wants to get something out of her that like this isn't sincere because obviously like she is a lot older than him they're not like I don't I don't see how their characters really like click. I don't see how they have a connection. So there's a bit of me that is like he, is he trying to like scam her in some way?
1: What what was the vibe of their of them getting together? Is it was it a hookup vibe or was it a one of them or both of them wants it to be something more meaningful?
0: So We obviously, like, it's come kind of out of the blue, just like suddenly, you know, this is back in April when Kira was like, let's go for a drink. Right. And we're like, okay, fine. Um, That didn't happen. So finally, I think... Last week, it must have been, Kira was like, we've got to do that drink. And Sharon was like, oh, I can't get away from the gym. She's working in her little office. And so he brought wine like to the office and they ended up spending, it seemed like implied, like a few hours in the office, like really talking about their lives. And then at the end of it, Kira was like, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have something relaxed, no strings attached. And they both agreed to this like kind of chilled, not a proper thing hookup situation like friends with benefits i guess nothing has happened between them but that was the conversation they had
1: oh you know what as long as they don't do a whole like oh you know that can never work and look it's right sometimes it doesn't work um but like as long as they don't you know completely lean into that and one of them falls madly in love with the other i'm kind of fine with that and and you got the sense that like and it reminds me it sounds really similar to the scene that kira had with stacy um and I feel like maybe that's his vibe. That's where he's at, particularly because he's probably mm. still heartbroken over Chantel. Um, and yeah. Sharon probably ultimately, despite everything I've said, probably still is still a, a little bit in love with Phil. Um, so...
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we saw a hint of that, didn't we, this week when like Linda told Sharon about um, Phil and Kat's relationship.
1: Right, exactly. So you're a bit like... Actually, if the vibe is just kind of two slightly lonely people you know having a having a you know a good time together um that's fine that's fine i'm I'm okay with that
0: if they do that successfully i think yeah it could it could work I think the thing for me is that it really doesn't make sense that them getting together in the first place. I just needed to see a bit more like why do they get on like what how what is this developed out of
1: well there there was a there was obviously the scenes a while ago when Kira kind of helped her out with getting the gym right um yeah look, can I be completely honest, and I don't mean this in a mean way um but uh I think you know particularly living in London and with like a million apps flying around the place, like we get used to the idea of like you know an abundance of choice um and look, maybe with the yeah. extenders not being like with you know, with the standards being set in London, it's maybe not realistic but to be frank like i would say it's the experience of a lot of people that like they're just picking from (laughs) the few people that live near them
0: yeah
1: (laughs) they see regularly right so uh, if it's not showing then who is it who is it right (laughs) like
0: yeah good point everyone else is pretty much like coupled up so yeah all right then it could work it could work let's let's wait and see um (laughs) so we've got uh still quite a few storylines and not lots of time
1: we're 15 minutes in
0: Woo! might have to do some editing on this episode um but we have to talk about the ballam wedding i'm afraid
1: well you can talk about it i didn't see it and my <laughs>
0: you didn't, I watch didn't watch it, it
1: and sorry <laughs> listeners i know there's a big Ballum fandom out there i was briefly interested in balum I think they've done it really badly. Somebody said a phrase to me the other the other week um, that kind of sums it up um, in terms of how they portrayed Balam. Someone called it uh, uh, hetero palatable, um, and I think that <laughs> is that, yeah. that is completely perfect but making so a relationship like palatable for a straight audience. Um, And chasing after, like, you know, teen girls, like, lusting over them, like, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing anybody, because you're right to, like, you know, ship anybody you like. Um, But for queer audiences, like, you'd kind of think, you know, it's 2021, maybe give a little more than you're giving at the moment. Yeah. The fact of me missing the wedding doesn't upset me, but tell me what uh,
0: happened. I mean, to be honest, this the wedding, the wedding storyline, the wedding week. I think was indicative of like some of the worst problems with Eastenders at the moment. So obviously, as mm. the sort of heteronormativity of the Balum situation continued, that was compounded by the arrival on the scene of Callum and Stewart's grandma. I think who has never been mentioned right. before. Um, <sighs> I don't think makes any sense as a character, and it, to be honest, is a terrible actor and the script. she was given was terrible (laughs) and I'm very (laughs) I'm very unhappy that she's staying on the scene she was sort of of like supposed to be I think one of those bolshy older women like I think they were sort of going for Cora vibes um but they've written the script so terribly that it doesn't work at all so we saw like lots of actually to be honest like quite homophobic remarks from from I think she's called Violet um that was sort of supposed to be jokes and were supposed to be like, "Oh, she's from the older generation, and look, she's come to a right. gay wedding. isn't that nice? And it just for me it just didn't work. I just it was really off like she insisted on calling Ben Whitney for the first like few days because she like couldn't it was just easier for her. She many times referred to Ben as the bride, she called people homosexuals, and it was just like. Do you know what? This doesn't work in 2021. It's never been that All funny, right. really. This kind of like, uh, ironic homophobia, essentially. But like, particularly in 2021, it's just like, it doesn't even, it doesn't work. Like even old people who may come from a generation where homophobia was more the norm and more acceptable. Don't say this stuff in public so much anymore. Like, and even if they do, it's still not acceptable it just really like felt uncomfortable and everyone just sort of like joked along like lol. And then we saw the story, this problem that we've been, I think it's been going on with the writing where like they just can't focus on a storyline. So we have these storylines that build up and build up and then they just dissipate because they decide to introduce some complete new angle into it. So we saw like finally the unraveling of the secret that um, Callum had been undercover. And Right. As much as like I wasn't that interested in that storyline because I was kind of bored of of Balaam, it was an interesting one. Like it was really playing right. at this conflict that Ben, you know, eventually is going to have to choose between Phil and Callum. Right. And it kind of came out, and then yeah, then Ben accepted it, and they got married. But then it was like, oh my God, is Phil gonna kill Ben? Oh my God! And then, and then suddenly it was like, oh no, Whitney's doing a hit and run. and and so there was this like quite poignant speech from ben to phil about like how he is just gonna have to accept callum and get through it and maybe it'll be like the way that he eventually accepted ben even though he used to be like really homophobic about it It i mean it's a bit poignant didn't really make that much sense to be honest like i don't think you can compare homophobia to like being a a cop and a brass (laughs) but whatever yeah like yeah it's not really the same thing but they kind of made it work but it didn't work because underneath was this like horror film music that was all building up to Whitney then running them over it was completely bizarre um
1: did they use use music again
0: they used some music while Ben was doing his emotional speech to Phil we had underneath this kind of like like horror movie music um (sighs) and then literally the whole the whole like storyline everything that's built up around that was swept away when whitney then came and like ran over uh ben and callum and Kat.
1: do you know you know yeah the thing i I won't say loads about this because i didn't watch it so it's my (laughs) unfair and uninformed opinion but that has never stopped me before so so here we go but you know for me this storyline really goes back to the conversation we had at the beginning about writers and i sometimes get the sense with like the Current crop of EastEnders writers that it is people with like innately like problematic politics but have learned occasionally the language of like you know wokeness, yeah. And so, like, they'll do shit like what you mentioned about with the grandma because they, uh, and in fact, actually, sometimes a really horrible and cynical view yeah. of their audience. The so, sometimes it'll the be a bit class. like you know, we're writing this because. Right, right. Because we'd be like, oh, well, all our viewers will love this person because they've got that in their family, not realizing that actually, you know, like, you know, living up north or living in the East End or all these things don't automatically go with being a complete, like, yeah. dickhead. Um, but then occasionally, like, doing stuff like in a really, like, cliched, like, you know, uh, wokeness sponsored by Pepsi <laughs> kind of vibe of, like, oh, we're going to do a nice, like, a refreshing scene. It's like, I don't want to see that. I just want to see, like, conversations that, like, where a lot of us have, like, a lot of the situations we have to negotiate with a bit of heightened drama and excitement Mm. and some really, like, incisive dialogue, like, written. And I just don't think a lot of the writers at the moment have. It's a dialogue that I just don't think that they've got. The skill in writing no, it. No, they're
0: like relying on these like ridiculously dramatic situations because they don't seem to be able to like they don't seem to be able to relax into just like people having relationships with each other which is like why people watch EastEnders in the first place it is that that kind of, I don't know like the depth of the relationships that people have between each other and they don't seem to have the skill to to, to present that anymore.
1: Well, I think the word like relax is like so important to me there because as you say, like even, even you telling me what happened, like I felt anxious from the, the, just hearing about the chaos. I can't imagine what I would have felt like (laughs) seeing the chaos of like one thing happening and then another thing happening. And then this, you know, somebody coming to run everybody over, like, um, it'd be like, guys, you need to, you need to chill. Um, but, uh. Right, I don't want to uh, bitch about ridiculous. it anymore, and we've we've still got a few storylines to do. Should we move on to something I'm less pissed off about?
0: Yeah, let's move on. I mean, maybe next week we'll have to talk about Whitney, um,
1: but fine. That's let's move I on. feel like that is, that is
0: the worst. <laughs> that's the worst casualty of this storyline, and we'll talk about it next week.
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Uh,
0: should we? Can we talk about Ruby and Martin?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we've you know we both had our issues with what they've done to Ruby's character, but with this kind of ensemble of, like, three, um, just really great actors. So you kind of forget about some of those irritations, right?
0: Oh, I'm absolutely loving, like, Lily versus Ruby with Martin stuck in the middle. I think it's fantastic.
1: It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And, like, I like the fact that it's not that... And actually, the, one of the scenes that I actually really liked, like, uh, near the end of last week, was Lily in the allotment. Um, being quite upset and speaking to um, Jean. Yeah. Because what I didn't want them to do was a whole like, um, because it's kind of what they've done to Ruby, like do a whole kind of misogynist hit on Lily as well, where yeah. it's like uh, she's just the conniving young woman and all women are secretly like this and like she's just becoming who she really is. <laughs> and actually, you know, what it is is somebody who's having to live with the person who put a mum in jail, somebody who's like going through like just the turmoil of being a teenager. Um, and I'm glad we got a glimpse back into like, yeah, there is this young girl at like the at end of this like storyline that is just having a really shit time. Yeah,
0: and I think like props to the actor who plays Lily. I don't I don't know her name, but like right. that she can portray that so well, like that she does this right. kind of like sassy, like hard nosed kid act and she really gets across right. like the vulnerability behind that. Is it's she's so right. brilliant.
1: Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And and I and we've said it so many times. But I think, you know, if EastEnders are looking for tips on how to improve things, I think you've got, and I think you could probably get in a couple more, like get a little group of teenagers together, get them doing some good dialogue. Like the few episodes I saw of Coronation Street, they're doing a really good storyline of like uh, an attack that happened on somebody because they're they're a goth Mm. or something. And it's really brought like the young actors to the fore. And there's some really, I thought some really good, Look, I'm not remotely a teenager anymore, but I found it believable, like, the dialogue between those characters. So when they get a chance to, like, bring those, like, you know, Amy and uh, what's his name? Billy, yeah, and well, all that kind of stuff, all those characters together.
0: I think they really could do that. Yeah.
1: Right. Do it. Do it.
0: And because we know so much about the family history of these kids as well, like Amy, I think there's a lot of potential there. Like we even had, I think last week, uh, her sort of mentioning like her mum and Ibiza and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to see a little mini Roxy coming through here.
1: Right. And also remove the parents a little bit from that storyline, because like if you've got any memory of being a teenager, like. You know, this slight chasm slightly does build between like your life and like, you know, your world and what you know and what your parents know is going on. While in EastEnders, it seems like, okay, fine. I know Martin's being tricked and what have you, but like a part of me kind of feels like, you know, where is the world of like the teenagers that is separate from their families and that they're doing their shit? And I feel like you could really explore that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that would be really good. So, I mean, well, let's see where let's see if Lily gets away with with Ruby and Martin. I'm just enjoying the sort of rivalry there, and like I'm quite enjoying like Ruby as a step parent as well. I think that's also quite convincing that she's in this situation where like she never she didn't sign up for this. She didn't want three kids in her house, and <laughs> right. like she's playing that quite well. So she's being as responsible as possible while like clearly being very pissed off. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Look, you know, whatever they've done to Ruby's character, like, I hope she sticks around. Um, and if yeah. she sticks around in the kind of guise that she is now, I'm reconciled to it.
0: Yeah, I just, yeah, like as long as they stop, as long as there's no more like Ruby, uh, sort of contrived like, um, villain storylines. Like, if they just leave it here and then we can deal with what we've got so far, then. I'm okay
1: with that. Yeah, exactly. She's dealing with the consequences of that, and that's fine. Let's just leave it there and see and see what happens. so yeah, um yeah, shall we uh, should we talk about as we talked about Martin, Should we talk about Sonia and her dad? we have got to
0: talk about Sonia and her dad. yeah, um what what do you think? Sonia knows who her dad is?
1: Yeah, I like him. I, li- I like him. obviously, we talked a while ago. this is obviously I don't know if you recognize him now, but this is Billy Billy Con- uh, not Billy, uh, Brian Conley. Um and yeah nineties comedian, actually quite famous back in the day, like um and uh i hadn't seen him act before um so and I was impressed I think he will get better if he sticks around, but actually, as an introduction, particularly from a person who i 've not seen act before, I thought he was great uh it really reminds me of um dirty den, and i don't think that's a bad thing um and What do you think? Like, do did you like his introduction? And like, do you think he's like genuine, um, or do you think there's another story behind him coming?
0: I thought that he was quite funny, um, and I don't know. I went through the sort of roller coaster that I think they were trying to put us through of being like, "Mm, is he actually her dad, or is he lying, or does he want something out out of this? And then by the end of the week, I was convinced that he is genuine, and like maybe he's got like there might be another underlying like dodgy storyline going on there. But I think my feeling is that like, as the father of Sonya, like as wanting a connection with a do- with his daughter, he's genuine. And it was nice to like, have him kind of hark back to so much, uh, like history in EastEnders, like him talking about Carol right. and him like right. having known Jack Alan. as a kid. Yeah. Talking about Alan, like all of this right. stuff is like, it's very rewarding if you've been watching it for a long time. Um, so that was quite nice. And like that, again, brings in like that focuses on the aspect to be EastEnders. We've been talking about like relationships, heritage, all of that stuff. And um, yeah, I thought that was that was well done. And he's like he yeah, he's funny. He's an interesting guy and I can't see he doesn't seem like the kind of character that they would easily do like a wildly dramatic, ridiculous storyline with. So that brings me some hope.
1: Yeah, I I don't know how long like he's signed up for, but like I think his character has got legs. Um, and a part of me would feel like if they aren't going to have him long term, I'd put, partly just not want to see him again because what I would hate is for him to be a slightly fly by night character to do something awful. Um, because even now, and I totally get why it's not realistic, but like even now. I would quite like him to basically be moved into that house. Yeah. Very quickly. I thought he worked um, well with Dottie like, as
0: well. Like that scene where he was with Dotty in the club right. was, was was funny.
1: Yeah. I, and I think there's like a, you know, an old, there's like a, maybe a space for like an older male, male character. He obviously, he reminds me a little bit of Mick as well. Um, and I think, I'm not saying that house needs a man, by the way, before anybody tweets me and like bitches about me. But I think <laughs> like, it feels a bit disparate, that house at the moment. Um, and yeah. I think having someone there, whether it's a man or a woman, I couldn't care less. Um, but I think there's a space for someone like him to be moved into that house. I think it would be great for Sonia in terms of like her like presence on the square. Um, and I think yeah, just get get like kind of what they've done to Frankie. Like they moved her into the cars pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and yeah. she feels fairly firmly established now as part of that family, while yeah, I hope they don't leave, you know, this guy like just hanging about and then we kind of lose interest.
0: Yeah, definitely. I would like to see him like integrated in quite quickly. And I think we've been saying for a long time that there's a real lack of like older characters that we get to see a lot of now. You know, back in the 90s, we obviously had like Peggy and Pat and Frank and Roy and all of that drama going on. And like, it feels like that the older characters don't get much of a look in on on that kind of stuff anymore so like to see someone like this moved in like maybe he could have a relationship on the square as well like yeah i'd be really up for that
1: do it do it good we're saying good things about extenders this is exciting Shall we um yeah i think we've got what one more two more storylines to go um i think billy right
0: um yeah we haven't really talked about billy
1: um tell me tell me what's been going on with billy
0: this was quite a while ago. it's kinda of hard to remember, but we saw the the thing where um Janet had a modeling job, and Billy was a little bit suspicious of it, like he's still quite protective of Janet and like worried about her being kind of out in this world and he went along and actually ended up like making friends with the agent, Janet's agent, and going on a date with her, like mm. she's very keen on Billy we then saw it come to light that Janet was being paid less than the other models. And this is likely because of her down syndrome. And, um, I think Billy like Binder off. can't really remember exactly what happened, but yeah, essentially kind of Billy had to choose the side of his daughter and the side of honey. Um,
1: so, so is she gone now? Is yeah, the agent I think gone? she's
0: gone now. It's quite a while ago. So I'm, re- yeah, like, he they went on a date, and she bought an expensive bottle of champagne. And he was like, "Hang on a minute, like, why have you got all this money, and my daughter isn't getting paid properly and mm-hmm. and basically said, yeah. like, you're gonna get her paid properly, otherwise we're gonna find another agent um so that was quite satisfying to watch, and I think it's like just a continuation again like that's, that's a storyline I'm really enjoying in that there's no like high drama in it. We're just seeing the process of like people co-parenting together and come in like coming to terms with this new family structure of like honey and jay and billy.
1: Yeah, and I think that's ultimately like maybe this is a good point to then then move into our regular features but um yeah, I think you know that's maybe what EastEnders needs to realize is that um you know, in trying to chase ratings, a I don't think it's working. Like I don't follow the ratings entirely, but I think EastEnders isn't doing particularly well in the ratings. Um, but also, I think it's just a false like understanding of what viewers want. Mm. Um, and as you say, just this this kind of relatively everyday stuff, like stuff that has a continuation. You know, this is a person who's got this daughter who's going to face these challenges, have these opportunities. He's a parent. Uh, he's now you know parenting separate from from his uh, uh, his partner, or at least they're co parenting. They're not together. Yeah. Um, all of this kind of stuff, like there, there is a lot you can mine, like in terms of interest, out of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, lean into that Eastender.
0: Definitely, definitely. I really, I hope there's more of that in the coming weeks. One last thing to mention before we move on to Eastender of the week. Um, yeah. Tiff, did you clock Tiff's little throwback this week?
1: Tell me, I've forgotten.
0: <laughs> Tiff. Said to Dotty when uh Dotty was uh, kind of asking about coming to the pub to meet Sonia's dad, Tiff was like, "You're NFI, not flipping." Oh yeah,
1: flipping yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I think she's gonna say it. She's, is she gonna say the proper NFI like uh but this, initialism this or Back
0: to a scene between her, like when she was a kid, between her and I can't oh, remember. Oh, who oh. It
1: was. yes, it was Dotty.
0: Oh, my God. It was actual Dottie. Yeah, it of was actually,
1: yeah it was actually <laughs> I didn't even Dottie, that yeah. bit. I was like,
0: oh, I remember seeing, I remember like Tiff saying that to another kid. Of course, it was Dottie.
1: Yeah, it was Dottie. That's incredible. How do you know that? Did you see it on Twitter? You just remembered.
0: It does the rounds on TikTok. Like it's quite a popular like uh, clip on social media, that one. So it's really like stayed in my mind. And that'll be partly why they've like brought back that throwback. Cause actually there'll be a lot of teenagers who didn't watch it first time around have seen that on TikTok.
1: Ah, Superb. Superb. See EastEnders, you can do it when you want to do it. So <laughs> keep doing yeah, it. You can <laughs> keep,
0: keep it up. It. Keep All right. So it's time. Here we go. Now, who is your Easter of the week or month?
1: <laughs> it's definitely just the week for me it will be the month for you <laughs> true but yeah. um I I actually did enjoy the last week um bar a couple of low moments um uh, so it's a bit of a toss up between a couple of characters but um I think just because yeah there's slightly more levity to choosing this person than than. see the other person I was going to choose was Frankie but um okay, yeah. it feels a bit depressing but actually uh, I want to choose Zach because I, I yeah. haven't really got to know Zach because I hadn't seen a lot of the episodes of the last like month. So seeing like him in the last week, I was like, yes, go on. You're doing it. Well done. So, uh, yeah, it's Zach.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah. What, 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 um, uh, love Zach. Right. Love Zach. Okay, Una. Who is your East Ender of the last four and a bit weeks
0: <laughs> i've got to be honest i have watched it i've watched every episode i was kind of yeah. half watching until this week when it actually got good again so it is pretty much my center of the week and that is nancy
1: fair play yeah i think we were all excited about her return and uh it's not disappointed right
0: yeah she's lived up to it um i'm actually quite enjoying her like being at Sharon's and like, they're giving her a bit of a character independent from the carters, which is quite nice. Cause I mean, obviously yeah. she, you know, she did have a lot of storylines when she was last on the square and we did see like her and Tamwa and everything, but like, it's actually surprisingly working quite well for me, kind of like pulling her out of the Carter household and letting her kind of develop independently. And I hope that we see her build up some more sort of friendships on the yeah, square.
1: I think yeah, that would have been a real risk. And I don't think they needed to do what they did with Frankie, with Nancy, in terms of like, with Frankie, it was like the opposite, like, issue of making sure yeah. that she got the link to a family. And then, yeah, she can kind of go back to kind of just breezily, like, hanging out with Ben and taking photographs of people and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but with Nancy, it's obviously the other thing, right? Of like, you know, if you're going to bring a character back, there's got to be a reason to. And if it's just to, like, do what she was doing before, particularly given how much like Mick and Linda have gone through, and you know, even obviously what Nancy has gone through, it would yeah. have been pointless. So yeah, I think they've, they've made the right move there,
0: and it's actually working. Like when she first came back on the square, and like there was so much spikiness between her and Linda, I was kind of like, mm, does this make sense? Because Nancy's so nice, like would she be this harsh to her mum? But like, it actually is making sense to me that if you had a mum like Linda, who is like lovely but is really like <laughs> quite Yeah. yeah like, and you've just come back from the other side of the world that, like, this level of conflict, I think, does make sense to me and does ring quite right. true in that relationship. And, like, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out once Nancy finds out that Linda's pregnant and once she comes to sort of understand the gravity of, like, everything that's gone on since she left.
1: Well, hey, well, talking of things you're looking forward to, have you got a prediction?
0: Uh, no, I've not got a prediction at all. Have you? <laughs> I haven't thought uh, about it properly
1: do you know what okay I'm going to say something bold here okay particularly for my sake more than yours because the idea of me making a prediction based on having watched five episodes in the last month feels like I might end up being saying something completely off so I feel like I need another week oh, wow. of watching before I can reliably make one of my superb predictions
0: so are we are going to give ourselves a pass this week
1: uh, unless you feel like you could make one otherwise I feel like you know Let's, let's I'm gonna it. take
0: a random stab in the dark. Do it. Um and I think that uh next week we might learn what's happened to Tina or everyone
1: else might learn what's happened oh my to Tina. Oh god, forgotten about that.
0: <laughs> I don't I don't really want that to happen, but like now that we've seen like everything's kind of wrapped up with the Carters, like we've still got the pregnancy storyline, there's still some stuff going on, but like they're they're good, we know they're stable, so like maybe it's time to just get the Tina bit out the way.
1: Well, I mean, the the funny thing is, in terms of, like, getting the Tina stuff out of the way, I'm still, I still, there's a part of me that says she's alive. Um, (laughs) So, and I know, I know at least one of the Walford Weekly lot agree with me.
0: Oh, I love this. Like, full-blown conspiracy theory. Look,
1: let's wait and see. Let us wait and see.
0: (laughs) I kind of hope you're right at this point like would cheer me up a little bit after losing kush i mean obviously like tina's not coming back to the square but if like we suddenly just heard that she's all right she's just gone to spain or something be quite nice i think
1: if she's alive we'll see her i think she's left i think or she's you know i think the only thing i can think of is that she filmed some scenes that they will Mm -hmm. release um yeah like
0: maybe she sends like a like a video or something like
1: telling everyone that
0: gray's a murderer.
1: Yeah. That's possible, perfectly possible. Um, I love the fact you're now fleshing out a storyline that you don't think is going to happen. <laughs> Stick to your guns.
0: Yeah, should I should. I'll stop uh Just with with my yeah, yeah, exploring like developing my stab in the dark. Yeah. All right. Right. Are we did you want to do you want to make a stab in the dark or no, should let's we wrap up? Let's
1: wrap up. up. <laughs> let's yeah. wrap
0: up. We've
1: already got 20 minutes of editing to uh, close up <laughs> this podcast. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for tuning <laughs> back in if you have done and tell everybody we're back. Yeah. Um, I think, look, let's let's just be very honest. Like In terms of what the podcast will look like in the next few months, I think the fact we've come back, I think, is a commitment to doing something. I personally don't know whether we're going to be able to get back into a schedule of every week. We haven't actually had that chat. But, you know, don't unfollow us. Don't unsubscribe it's very likely you'll be getting more content. We just need to figure out how that's going to look, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll, we'll try our best. <laughs> if you want to tweet us and tell us stuff, um, it's at pod on Twitter and you can email us at pod at gmail.com. I really want to ask listeners, actually, like if you've got any ideas about why what's the thinking behind all of these like ridiculous dramatic storylines do you think that the right like do you think they've done some research like do you think it is upping the ratings who are they trying to appeal to because it might you know i'm sensing it's not going going down very well with the kind of like hardcore eastenders fans so if you have got thoughts on that tell us
1: tell us we want to hear your thoughts if you disagree we may just ignore them but uh no we're kidding we we, we read out all comments if you're if you're polite we will read out your comment if you're abusive <laughs> you can go in the bin that's all we ask for
0: yeah, true. Although no
1: one ever is. So. No, you're yeah. all lovely. Thank, nice you for to us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. All right. I was going to say tune in next week. Shall we commit to saying tune in next week?
0: Yeah. Go on then. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's we can commit. do it next week. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> tune in next week, guys. Uh, and uh, bye.
0: Bye.